ESPN College Football Podcast, hosted by Paul Feinbaum and Matt Barry. Ah, yes, it is a Sunday tradition unlike any other. It is the ESPN College Football Podcast, five days a week. We get you started here on Sunday mornings with Paul Feinbaum. I'm Matt Barry. Hopefully you're having a cup of coffee, a nice spicy Bloody Mary, whatever you're doing to wash down your Saturday of college football. Paul, good morning. How are you? I am doing great, Matt, and I was just uh, pontificating to myself, since no one else is talking to me today, that, uh, you know, when was the last time Jim Harbaugh was smiling and Ohio State fans were frowning? Uh, It's been a while. Yeah, you know, that's a great place to kick this thing off because it was the marquee game uh, of the week two slate that otherwise left a lot to be desired. And it was Oregon traveling into the shoe, to take on Ohio State. 0-9 against Ohio State was Oregon. Ryan Day had never lost a regular season game, 23-0. And, Paul, we sit here Sunday morning, and here's a sentence that's probably even more bizarre than what you just said. What a day and what a win for the Pac-12. Yeah, it's you know they, they've had some you know they they have they they've had some very impressive wins. They almost had an even more amazing day with uh, Colorado in in position, but uh, but they give it back a couple of other places. But none of that matters when you when you think about this is the biggest uh, game of, of of a weekend that that really uh, because it's so early. I mean, I'm I'm still struggling to get used to these marquee noon kickoffs, Matt that it, it sets the tone for the day as opposed to where that game normally would have been, should have been, frankly, uh, in prime time where we waited all day for it. And, and it, if you're an Ohio State fan, you don't remember anything else the rest of the day. And if you're a fan of Mario Cristobal, which I am, you start thinking in your mind, my, has he done a nice job in, in, in taking over for uh, Willie Taggart? Is that right? That's right, Willie Taggart. <laughs> what a name <laughs> from the yeah. past. Yeah, you know, and our, our producer of the stars here, Travis Rockhold, he's an Ohio State grad. So, you know, when you, when, when you go to Ohio State and you had that game, you were put out of your misery by 4 o'clock and you could kind of just move on to other things. But it is just stunning to me in a season where and, – and big picture of this, look, without Kayvon Thibodeau – sorry, I've got 4 a.m. brain. Without Kayvon Thibodeau in this game – you thought, okay, there's no way they're going to be able to stop Ohio State's offense. Ohio State's defense certainly is going to be able to shut down Anthony Brown, C.J. Burdell, and the rest of this offense. But when you look at this big picture with what comes out of this, we've already seen Clemson lose a game, and we've already seen Ohio State lose a game. And what did we say at the beginning of the season? Now it's the same four teams every year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And now two of those teams, Paul, have already suffered a loss in week two. Yeah, Matt, it just goes to show you that even though uh, we get paid the same, uh, the, pun- the pundits are, are having a bad uh, early two weeks because um, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I had in May and June already figuring out the playoffs and, and already having those two in. And, and I think it's great, uh, you know, since it's pretty obvious the playoff expansion is not happening anytime soon. And I say that 24 hours removed from a lengthy conversation with Greg Sankey of the SEC and on that committee, uh, we are going to see a different look. And, and I think that's that's good for the game. And yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not saying Ohio State can't find a way back, although they're, they're, they're going to need uh, uh, 
many horses and, and, and seeing eye dogs to help them because, because right now, I mean, they, they're, they're a struggling team. And, and a couple of people uh, criticized them after that Thursday night game uh, against Minnesota. And people, people pushed back, ah, don't worry about it. There, there was plenty to see in that game that should have portended this. And you mentioned Thibodeau. The idea of them winning the game without him is, is mind-boggling. He's the first overall pick. And Jesse, Joey, and I were talking – yesterday about you know Kayvon why isn't he playing could he have played and my thoughts on it were this Paul it's number one overall pick based on the small body of work we saw against Fresno State you could probably argue as a Heisman Trophy candidate if you're Mario Cristobal you're thinking you know what this is a big national stage for us but everything would be right in front of us in the Pac-12 to go win the conference and get back in this conversation so for Cristobal to, I don't want to say gamble and sit him because I really don't know the status of his overall health, but for Cristobal to sit him and they were out without one of their other best defenders and then go in there and get the win, you have to start wondering now, is this a case of, as you said, Ohio State didn't look great against Minnesota. They needed the second half. By the way, Minnesota got everything they could yesterday. But is this a case of Oregon being better than we thought or Ohio State not being as good as we thought? I, I am going to tend a little bit toward Oregon here. Uh, that's only because all the Ohio State fans have told me how great they are. And, and you have to believe fans, don't you, Matt? Uh, so, yeah, another thing to point out, and, and that, that's a play selection of Joe Moorhead who I maligned often as the Mississippi State head coach, but we forgot what a good job he had done at Penn State and, and how they, stayed, they were hurting after he left. And you know, he, he is a brilliant offensive uh, play caller. And you know, all, all, all the scenarios, uh, and, and this, this one other thing that I, I liked about this uh, is this really exercised some of the demons of two years ago. Remember that opening weekend when Oregon flat out blew a game, a win against, uh, against Auburn, uh, and it cost him dearly, uh, probably cost him a, a, title, a, a playoff spot that year. So I, it's, still, it's still a little hard to, to, to put your teeth into what's wrong at Ohio State other than some of the obvious uh, fundamental situations that we've seen for two weeks. They can still find a way back, but uh, I will say that there's a team from Iowa that's lurking. Here's what we know about the Big Ten on, on Sunday morning is, is – we kind of don't know. We think we do. We still believe that Ohio State is the best team in the conference. Michigan gets the win against Washington. We, we, we knew that was coming because Washington was just one of those teams that had a ranking to them that they didn't belong in. And, and But you just the, the athletes are different. I say this over and over and over again just watching yesterday, watching 16 hours of football. The athletes at Ohio State, that's it. We're getting light day. I should probably tack on, stay awake, and watch Hawaii play. Um, but the athletes that Ohio State trots out there are still different than the ones that Michigan puts out there, are still different than the ones Iowa puts out there. And Iowa got the win in Cyhawk. They just, they're still different, and they're still the best team in the Big Ten. How far that goes towards the end of the season is the thing that remains to be seen. Yeah, uh, again, uh, I, I don't think we can, we can solve any, anything else from Ohio State right now until the season plays out. And I know that's, that's disappointing to the, the hot take Twitterverse. But uh, I am not going to uh, – I mean, last week uh, many were burying Clemson, but it wasn't because of Clemson. It was because of the ACC. Uh, it's not as easy to bury Ohio State, although you know, the, the home loss is, is, is pretty bad uh, when you compare that to a neutral site game. But – I don't think though I don't think the game this game per se 
is going to cost Ohio State down the road. I think if they run the table and win the Big Ten, uh, that will correct itself. But it, it's still a lot to digest, uh, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it, it's just one of those inexplicable moments. That, and it wasn't so much that we didn't think it could happen. It was just we, we're just conditioned, I think, under Ryan Day to think that he'll find ways to do things that Urban Meyer didn't. Urban Meyer lost games on the road, uh, losing uh, – uh, well, like, let me correct myself. He cost himself a national championship in 2015, losing to Michigan State at home. But I just didn't see that happening. First time in Ohio State history that they've given up at least 30 points in the first two games of the season. And as I look at their schedule, Paul, they've got Tulsa, they've got Akron, and then they hop into Big Ten play again at Rutgers, Maryland, at Indiana, which is no longer a good game based on what IU did early in the season unless they find their way back. The only ranked game as of this morning that sits on their schedule is Penn State at home. And so I'm going to apply the same logic to the Ohio State argument on Sunday as we did last week to Clemson when they were in a slug fight with Georgia. We looked at Clemson's schedule like, where are they going to get the quality win? So, Paul, I'm going to ask you the same thing based on the schedule I just read you. They're at Michigan, obviously, in the annual rivalry game. Michigan State looks good. Mel Tucker, year two, they've won a couple of games. But where's this quality win going to come now from Ohio State based on what's left? Best shot would be the, the Big Ten championship game. Uh, and that's a long way off. But uh, I, I think that's really it. And, and that's, that, that would probably trump an ACC championship game. But I, I, I think if, if we learned anything, Matt, and we're, we, we frankly didn't learn it because we're talking about it right now, um, that we probably should quit doing college football playoff calculus in September. It, it, it doesn't work very well. And it's not going to stop us, but uh, I, I, that would be my only answer to you, that if, if it all plays out like the predictors say it will, then they'll, they'll have you know, one decent game to, to, to mark during the season. And quite frankly, uh, at the uh, what, Iowa, what, 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 what do you think they could be ranked by the end of the year? Yeah, and if they just keep winning, Spencer Petras looked good yesterday in that Cyhawk. They've now beaten Iowa State six consecutive times. And with the Cyclones, every year I buy into the Matt Campbell mystique. Bree Paul's coming back. Brock Purdy's coming back. Xavier Hutchinson, the entire tight end room, the line. Everybody's coming back. And I just don't know what it is about him. I want that feel-good story, but it doesn't appear that we're going to get it again because of an early season mishap. No, and, and I don't know how many times uh, somebody tried to convince me or probably you that Iowa State was a playoff team. And, and I, I was showing some college football elitism by, by laughing at it, and I'm going to continue to laugh at it. I, we were trying to figure it out, like, what is it? Like, why is it? And, look, I don't want to take anything away from what uh, Matt Campbell's built in Ames because if I'd have told you – five years ago that Iowa, Iowa state would be a featured game on a Saturday with college game day, parking the bus there. We, we probably laughed at each other. So it's still to a point where it is a good story, but each time a program gets an opportunity on a national stage to make you believe, and then they do just the opposite. You almost go back to the mindset you were because you, you're again, you're told, Hey, they're here. And then you watch the game for three and a half hours, and you're like, well, I mean, that's, that was a, an adorable storyline, but they're not. You, you don't get a moment like that very often. Uh, I mean, I, I can 
I don't, I don't choose the sites of game day, but the, the odds of them going back to Iowa State any time in, in my lifetime uh, is not good. Uh, I mean, that, that, is, that is your moment. Uh, you have to, you know, UCF had game day a couple of years ago. Memphis had game day. You win those games because you, you don't get those eyeballs. And, and quite frankly, I don't really care about Iowa State the rest of the way. You can prop them up and say, oh, well, that's going to be a great game. Uh, you got Oklahoma and all these. Uh, spare me uh, the conversation. Uh, I, I don't. I'm, I'm officially done with Iowa State. I've, I've, I've been overhyped too much on that program. We've invested a lot of emotion in them. So is Chris Felica, the Bear from College Game Day. He's been trying to tell anyone who listened to the Dark Horse through the Dark Horse. But now Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, they continue to be the dominant program in the state of Iowa. And I love peeking at the schedule uh, in the early part of the season as I peek at Iowa's schedule because I'm always looking like, who's going to be that team? They've got Kent State next week. They've got Colorado State. Then they hop back into Big Ten play against Maryland on the road. But much like Ohio State, their first real test again is against Penn State. And then right now on their schedule, the only other ranked game they have at the moment, who knows what this means by then, is at Wisconsin. So as I peruse some of these Big Ten schedules, I'm just, Paul, I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what kind of resume is this conference going to have by November? What, what, who is this league? What is this league? The dominant program in this league just got thumped by a Pac-12 team, scored not indicative of, of what we saw, what is the Big Ten here as we sit here on September 12th? Well, it needs help. Uh, I mean, Iowa certainly is a standard bearer. I mean, I, I'm not ready to, uh, to call Penn State. I mean, they'll have a big weekend coming up. They'll be in the national spotlight, uh, and that's good. And, but you know, going out Saturday night and beating Auburn uh, is, is not going to advance your cause very much, Matt. Uh, they'll have to win at Columbus. So I think it comes down to those three. And, you know, is, I mean, I, I, know, I know some in uh, Ann Arbor saying, are, are you not uh, forgetting the most obvious? Yes, we are. Uh, because, uh, you know, good for, for Jim Harbaugh to win on a national stage. It's been a long time uh, since I remember that happening. But, uh, you know, that, that, game, that game was devalued before it began because of what happened to Washington the week before. Yeah, and you wanted it. I was excited coming into the week because, you know, two classic Rose Bowl matchups, Pac-12, Big Ten, Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon. You'd love to see these on New Year's Day in Pasadena. And they split it. Pac-12 got one. Big Ten got one as we move along uh, to week three with both of those teams, all four of those teams and those conferences. SEC Nation was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Texas. Steve Sarkeesian, feel-good story week one, getting the win against Louisiana. Sam Pittman continues to change things there in Arkansas. This is going to be an SEC game coming up. Texas wanted a bit of the SEC. They wanted a taste of the SEC. And, Paul, after Saturday night, Texas got a taste of the SEC, and they didn't even get it from one of the better – teams in the league with all due respect to Arkansas they're still on their way up and top to bottom Texas got 
beat. No, I mean, we're, we're, I spent the weekend in Fayetteville, Matt, uh, and you know, while the enthusiasm was high and the hatred toward Texas uh, never dies, uh, th- this, this isn't even a middle-of-the-road going into the season, a middle-of-the-road SEC team. I mean, we're talking about an O for the SEC uh, two years ago with Chad Morris and, and last year three wins, which really should have been more. But it, uh, it, I, I have to give Sam Pittman the credit. I mean, he, he's an, un, an unorthodox head football coach at, at a major school. You, you're just a likable guy who probably had one shot ever and, 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 he, and he hit the lottery and he's made the most of it. And I, I'm not saying he, his season is done, uh, but beating Texas, Matt, it's, it's just hard to explain how important that is. This is a, an intense rivalry and they look good doing it. This wasn't just uh, a, a bad uh, field goal that hit the upright and dropped over. I mean, they they just pounded Texas. They 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 eviscerated the Longhorns. And as far as what is next for Texas, I, I think we we uh, we read way 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 too much into Louisiana. That that was a good team last year. They're clearly uh, a totally different species this year. And and Arkansas is going to win a few games, but what what what. What was most important is they're they're building a program and and they had eight thousand recruits in for that game and and they'll benefit they'll benefit from it as well. Yeah, what was it like there in Fayetteville? I've been there a couple of times and you can for people who've never been to Fayetteville or on the campus of Arkansas, I will tell you that area that northwest corridor of Arkansas those facilities in that area you think well how's Arkansas recruit get a kid to that campus and those facilities, and that stadium. And you forget that this was once a very proud football program with good lineage. If they can just get that thing resuscitated, you've got another problem in the SEC West. I think Arkansas has always been one of the really good jobs with perhaps too high of expectations. Paul, what were people saying throughout the week while you were there? Uh, they were optimistic, but they knew, and even Sam Pittman told me this yesterday, that you know, they, have, they have a long way to go from a recruiting standpoint. But, but here's where, where they have the advantage. They have an advantage moving forward. When, you, when you're on that campus, Matt, there are no distractions. It's Arkansas. And basketball is great, too. I mean, it really is. Uh, they've won championships there in basketball. But, but it's, a one, it's a one sport state. Uh, there, there's nothing else other than the University of Arkansas. And secondly, it's, it's one of the most misunderstood areas, areas of the country. I mean, you think about Fayetteville and like, man, that, that's got to be, I mean, you, you know, like a one-horse town. Wrong. Uh, when you fly into Fayetteville, you, you land in a place called Rogers, Arkansas, which is 30 miles out. And you ask yourself, why in the world would the University of Arkansas have an airport 30 miles out? Well, let me tell you why. You, you go on this country road from the airport about four miles, and you land in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is the headquarters of Walmart. And that's what makes that town tick. And you just have no earthly idea uh, the engine that, that, that fuels Northwest Arkansas, because I don't want to go like into a hole like I'm trying to sell you on, on, on Walmart, but Walmart's the, the biggest retail company in the world. And if you are a vendor for Walmart and you live in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, you move to Northwest Arkansas because they're not coming to see you in Hartford. 
you're setting up shop right there because it's, it's so big and it's so expansive. There's also a couple of other Fortune 500 companies, Tyson Chicken. Tyson, yep. It just so happens that uh, those two are big benefactors of the University of Arkansas. You can't go anywhere in the stadium and not see their signs. And I'm just wondering, uh, with NIL uh, having landed, uh, how many how many young uh, Ar- Arkansas football players will be doing something this week for Walmart? Yeah, I love that you guys were there and we kind of branched into this discussion because you're right. People, rightfully, who haven't been there wouldn't know. They wouldn't know that there's a ton of money in Northwest Arkansas. It is one of the most affluent, well-to-do areas in anywhere. Forget Arkansas. It's just a good-looking area. And with with Tyson and Walmart, you're talking about two major, 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 major billion-dollar corporations that are sitting there next to what could be a power school in every sport imaginable. And you got one more billionaire to mention who was there, who was there. Uh, and, you know, he, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, Jerry Jones, he, he was part of the 64 national championship team with uh, Jimmy Johnson. And uh, it's, I mean, you're talking a lot of money. So I, I know we went off five minutes. Uh, it sounded like, you know, we're doing Wall Street week here. Um, but you just have to understand in, in this current culture of college football, money matters. Money does matter. And sometimes we'll get into this and there's always arguments. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to, this is this, Paul with the, the lack of sleep that I got, you're going to be so just amazed by this segue I'm going to give you. But sometimes in coaching, we fall victim to sizzle over substance no one in their right mind, unless you were connected with the program, understood who, why, and what Sam Pittman was doing getting this job. No one. We were like, oh, okay. You know, if you knew Arkansas football, you knew his past, you knew he coached there. Okay, good story. Sam Pittman's back. But you're thinking, well, wait a second. You're going to hire this guy that's a virtual unknown to run an SEC program with a lot of money attached to it. That's the, that's the substance. You know what the sizzle hire was a couple of years ago when Willie Taggart buried Florida State? It was Mike Norvell. And all of a sudden, you have a team I have never seen. I can't remember the last time a program or a school gave away goodwill from week one and a loss like Florida State and Mike Norvell did against Jacksonville State last night in one of the most inexplicable endings to a game that I've ever seen. Yeah, and I think we can quickly remove, man, it was like a Disney movie Sunday night with Milton, uh, Mackenzie Milton, and uh, you felt Bobby Bowden in the stadium. I mean, okay, we heard it. Don't don't bring it up again because there's no excuse. And, and Matt, everyone by now has seen the, the video. I, I'm just trying to figure out those two defenders – who all they had to do was sneeze and tackle this guy. What were they thinking? What were they doing? And it's on them. Uh, I mean, you give up a, a big pass, understandable. Uh, you're playing prevent, but come on. Uh, I mean, the effort uh, was disgraceful. That's coaching. I, effort and letting – we were on set getting ready. We were doing halftime of the BYU-Utah game, getting ready to do that. We're, we're getting ready for college football final. 
And our producer gets in our ear and he's like, you guys are never going to believe what happened. We had the TV on Joey, Jesse, and I we had the TVs and the monitors. And he says to us, this is exactly what he says to us. When we're watching the replay, he says, Jacksonville state just beat Florida state on a hail Mary. And so we're already entertained by it as we're watching the replay. I've never seen Galloway at this time of night be so animated in my life. When he said that wasn't the last play. We're like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, that wasn't a hail Mary. It was, well, no, we know it wasn't a Hail Mary. He could not believe that, in fact, it wasn't. It was a normal play with Florida State and man-to-man coverage in the final play of the game, getting beat and not being able to tackle a receiver from Jacksonville State to end a game. No, and you're right. And, yeah, by the way, a couple of years ago, Jack State almost beat – uh, FSU uh, and they, I think they lost it on a last play, second kick or something. Um, and you know Jacksonville State has got a good football reputation, but I'm, and I'm not building them up. I'm just saying that yeah. But you cannot take any. You, and it's one thing not to take a, a school like that seriously at the beginning of the game, but you're down to the final play. Uh, maybe show uh, some intensity. As a, I mean, it looked like flag football. Uh, yeah, let me just reach out and you know see if I get within a, you know three inches of the guy. But you know they deserve to lose, and it, it was it's just one more black mark against uh, the ACC. And you know, we, we I, I just I'm just Monday afternoon uh, on our show, Matt. All I heard from FSU fans, man, the spirit of Bobby. You know, don't watch out for us. Clemson better watch. Yeah, no, no, no none of us need to watch out for you anymore. If, yeah, and if you peeled that back a little deeper, I thought just pure effort-wise, what, what Florida State did with Notre Dame was great. I was like, hey, look, good for them. But if you started peeling back some of the layers of the decisions that were made in that game and you really, really, really paid attention, you questioned Mike Norvell going forward on fourth down so early in that game, which ended up being the difference. You questioned him doing that. Uh, review that ended up icing his own kicker who ended up missing the field goal that ended up being the difference. And so while there was a positive body of work to go off of, you saw decisions in that game against Notre Dame from Norvell that made you take pause. And then all of a sudden you see what happened last night. I, I just, I was, I was trying to find out the last time we had a team that was such a feel good story, waking up on Sunday morning and you're like, you know what? This is worse than we actually thought. Yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are a lot of major upsets in, in college uh, football history where the next week the team blows it, but they usually don't blow it to Jacksonville State. So that another black eye for the ACC when you had an opportunity to kind of to, to make that palate taste a little better after week one. Uh, Pitt goes into your alma mater, Tennessee, and gets a win. It was a four-hour game. It was fun to watch. It was entertaining to watch. I don't think there's any argument that Hendon Hooker needs to be the quarterback at Tennessee moving forward. I saw Joe Milton. Look, Joe Milton to create a player. If I was going to create an athlete on a video game, I'd make him look like Joe Milton. He just can't connect with the wide receiver. He overthrows just about everybody. Yeah, that that was as you look at not not that we're going to spend much more time this season on Tennessee, but but as you looked at their schedule, um, th- this was the most important game uh, on the schedule because it was really the only way they get to being bowl eligible uh, because they're not going to beat Florida, Georgia, Alabama, uh, you know, just go right down the list of of, of, of Kentucky probably. 
so, so this was their moment, and they, they let it get away in a game they should have won. And uh, honored Johnny Majors, and Johnny Majors won a national championship at Pitt, and he got fired at Tennessee. Figure that one out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was one of those. It was a, it, it was a week slate of games. And we had to find one or two that would entertain us. And that was one of them. And, and, and Pitt's one of those teams in the, in the ACC that keep an eye on because they've got a really good NFL quarterback in Pickett who seems like he's been there for a decade. But we're, we're, trying, we're at the point of the season, Paul, through two weeks, where we're, we're trying to find a team here and a team there who can make things difficult for one of these ranked teams. I don't know. Is Pitt it? Maybe. I thought NC State was going to be it, and then they go to Starkville and just get their teeth kicked in. That, that, that has to be one of the most disappointing losses on the board because that's a team that the ACC acolytes were trying to make all of us believe was, was legit. And, they, you know, they, they got run by a team that, that needed a field goal the previous week to beat what was that Louisiana uh, one of the Louisiana schools Louisiana Tech I'm sorry there's so many down there uh, so I I mean and it really gave Mississippi State life which uh, you know they have LSU coming in two weeks so that they're 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 playing but you know but NC State you can't take them too seriously anymore and again I I, I genuinely feel badly for uh, Jim Phillips the new commissioner of the ACC he has to be wondering what he got himself into when you look at, and I'm not going to get into Miami, how they were celebrating beating Appalachian State like they had just done something, because that remains one of the most frustrating teams in America. I just cannot figure out how the state of Florida, if you really want to dive down this rabbit hole, and I guess we will since we've already started, look at the premier programs in the state of Florida. Miami, with what they've got going on, Florida State, those two teams, look at the state of the state of those programs. And, Paul, it's, it's sad with where Florida State and Miami are. Yeah, and, yeah, Miami, once again, uh, we, we bought into false streams with them. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they just – I don't think it's a disastrous program. I think they're certainly ahead of where FSU is right now. But it, it is a sad state. And, and Florida now is, a, is another story that – is about to become center stage because the, the Gators are, you tell me, uh, ho hosting the, the biggest game of the weekend. Such a good segue because we do get to that with Florida. They got out of their game yesterday. They go, and now it's Florida-Alabama week. Alabama took care of Mercer 48-14. to 14. Barring health issues, uh, Dan Mullen has a very – interesting decision to make at quarterback because based on what we saw from Anthony Richardson yesterday, he came up, he was limping a little bit after that touchdown run, but the kid was three of three, 152 yards and two touchdowns throwing four carries, 115 yards and a touchdown rushing. Paul, it's no secret kid from Gainesville. It's a good story. The offense just moves better with Anthony Richardson. And now I think Dan Mullen has to make a decision, not only for this week against Alabama, but going forward for the rest of the season with the SEC East. Yeah, and you know everything I'm I'm telling you now is courtesy of Tim Tebow uh, because uh, I've heard him now two straight weeks in meetings talk about Anthony Richardson. Uh, just think of Tim Tebow in in 2006 as the understudy to Chris Leak, who helped win a national championship, coming in situationally, and Tebow has been raving about him. But at this point, you're right. Uh, does Dan Mullen make the call 
uh, and put him in this cauldron against, against Alabama. The one thing I will say about Alabama, and I don't know the injury situation, you know, they lost a key player last week. Uh, Anderson, their they're all-world all player, got banged up, and, and he is questionable. That's a big deal. I mean, he is, uh, he's the best player on their defense, which is saying a great something. And I, and I, know, the, I know the story in Alabama has been Saban going off. And, and everyone is, was complimenting Saban, saying, yeah, you know, it's a good thing he went off. I, I don't – I mean, what, did the team listen to him, Matt? I, I'm wondering sometimes, are these ranches going on deaf ears? It's flat right now. I mean, look, 48-14 against Mercer – and that they, it's not, you don't look at it and say, oh, Alabama do what they did. I mean, they beat Miami 44 13 and beat Mercer 48 14. So, I mean, what, what'd you get out of it? Yeah. And, and both games, they were, they were, you know, they gave up cheap touchdowns at the end, and that's understandable. And I think that irritates Saban. But the, the only way to overcome that is to leave your starters in, which you don't want to do. Uh, I think you expected that last week. This is a very big game. And it's, I know that sounds, every game with Alabama is a big game, but, but you know, a lot of Florida people began the year thinking they had a real shot uh, at, at, at the Tide. And, and, you know, and all, most of the focus was on the A&M game on October 9th. There not, may not be as much on that. But I, I, I think the confusion at quarterback uh, in Gainesville is, is, a, is a serious problem for the Gators, though. I, I, it's at I, the swamp. I mean, do you think, do you think they've got a shot? Uh, at this juncture, I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I just firmly believe in le- the only way I thought they could win this game early on was if, if Bryce Young was shaky in the Miami game and just simply w- was not developing. But I don't think that's really the issue right now. Yeah, it'll be, it, it's really that first now, that first real taste of SEC football that we get. It's the 3.30 kick on CBS. That's the prime to they get the, the best pick. And so Alabama at Florida, you know, y- you learn a lot about some of these teams in the early part of the season. But it's funny because you and I both work with Florida quarterbacks. I've got, you know, handsome Jesse Palmer uh, that I deal with every weekend. He was a quarterback, obviously, under Steve Spurrier. And he's been saying the same thing. So if you've got Heisman Trophy college football legend who walks on Gainesville water and Tebow, and then I've got Palmer saying the same thing. I mean, you would think at this point, hey, Mullen, again, barring health, his hamstrings okay this morning, pull the trigger, let's roll. And maybe you have something, because how many times have we seen it, Paul? You go into a season with best laid plans with your starting quarterback, and all of a season, all of a sudden, you find this gem that just gives your team that little extra boost. Yeah, I I think it had was this if this game had been in Tuscaloosa, I might think otherwise. But but I think you can gamble making the call at home. It, it's not that difficult. And I, knowing Dan Mullen, I'll, I'll be surprised. He, you know, Dan Mullen uh, is for for all of his genius, he he he's pretty conservative sometimes. And I, I'm not sure I'm going to see him make that change. I think he, he I, yeah, hell, the, the injury situation is probably the key for Richardson. If he's not 100%, I don't, I don't think you'll see him start. And I, I think he's, I, I think, it, I, know, I, I don't want to waste a possession against Alabama, but I, I'd almost rather see Jones at least start the game and, and see what he can do as opposed to, you know, letting, letting the other guy go in there and just bomb. And not that, not that he would, but he could. That, playing Alabama's defense, home, home away or, or in the Walmart parking lot is not a good uh, recipe. 
You know, and, and and coaches love doing this all the time. They love keeping the other coaching staff off balance, right? So now Nick Saban's going to have to guess. Is it going to be Emory? Is it going to be Anthony? So I can't wait to watch that because we get our first full taste of SEC football over the weekend. You'd mentioned Texas A&M. I want to touch on them briefly before uh, getting out of here with one final thought. I I'm, don't think that Haynes King injury is going to work out well. I think it's a little bit more severe than we know, at least on this Sunday. I do want to point out we're taping this Sunday morning, so there's probably going to be more news that comes out about this injury after we're done taping. Zach Calzada looks too big for the moment. The moment looked too big for Zach Calzada. This Haynes King injury makes Texas A&M average at best for the rest of the season if he's out for the year. Yeah, I was here, and, you know, Give Calzada credit. I mean, he he did come up with uh, the play that won the game, but the play that won the game on the road against Colorado is is not the same as, you know, coming up with plays uh, in Baton Rouge or uh, at home against Alabama. So, you know, all the credit in the world, but let's get to reality here. Uh, A and M is a team that that is going to be devalued right now uh, while we watch and see how they handle they, they have Arkansas before Alabama. I know that I know their fans have only looked at the Alabama game, but uh, you know, they'll, they'll they're not going to see a lot of competition, but they will see Arkansas. And I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was hard to watch uh, at times and, and, and hopefully uh, King will come back. Although uh, by the way, even a healthy King had not been very good this year. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was not in anyone's Heisman race. But they keep paying Jimbo. They keep paying Jimbo. And the, and the quarterback, look, Haynes might end up being good. He's young. He was a highly rated recruit. But this guy's the quarterback guy. Needs a quarterback. Well, unfortunately, in college football, you just can't go to the waiver wire. This is his guy. And I had people tell me uh, that he wanted to get him in a year ago against Kellen Mond. Uh, instead of Kellen Mond, but you just couldn't pull Kellen Mond. I mean, Kellen Mond was the first college football's first eight-year starter, I think, Matt. Um, and, you know, finally, uh, you know, Jimbo was telling people, we finally got our guy. Uh, you know, he's going to be great, and and he has not been. So, yeah, I I worry a little bit about A&M. Uh, time could help them, though, with the schedule being more middle of the, middle, middle of the season versus right now. I don't remember where I read this could be on one of those, you know, Southern football blogs that I go down every week just to, just to get a finger of the pulse. But there was something that I read and, and you would know more than I would that the A&M keeps extending or extended Jimbo when they didn't have to, to make his salary even higher because they see LSU struggling and they're all paranoid that let's just say coach O just doesn't make it that they're, they're paranoid of LSU poaching Jimbo Fisher. Is that, is that an actual thing? It's funny you would ask me, of all people, to speculate on, on speculation. Matt, <laughs> um, I'll explain it very succinctly if I can. Uh, five years ago, LSU thought it had hired Jimbo Fisher. Uh, remember the story got out, and Jimbo's agent, Jimmy Sexton, who represents almost everyone, felt like uh, they needed more money. Uh, LSU balked. Jimbo backed away, and they got stuck with Les Miles. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, uh, Les could do no. They, they they beat Texas A&M as this story was was bouncing off of uh, the walls. So they uh, so Les comes back, loses to Wisconsin. He's fired four games later, 
And uh, by that point, Jimbo uh, you know, uh, was, uh, was not interested. Uh, what, happened, what happened next? And there is a conclusion to this story. I know all you were ready to go out and do something. Scott Woodward hired Jimbo Fisher for $7 million a year at Texas A&M. Let me ask the class a question. Where does Scott Woodward currently reside? The answer is Baton Rouge at LSU. There, 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 there you have the, the, the puzzle solved about why the next athletic director, Ross Bjork, gave Jimbo the contract extension. And it's, it's, it's fascinating because in the coaching world, and you're right, Jimmy Sexton controls the coaching world. You always see these extensions. And I know fans far and away, like, why are we extending this guy? The famous extension I remember from a couple of years ago is Will Muschamp getting extended at South Carolina after having a, an average season at best, and he's no longer the head coach there. And so these extensions. Oh, one more, one more on the, on the extension meter. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll raise you a Will Muschamp, which made no sense, and give you a Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee getting a contract extension after two miserable years. I don't know why they don't get held more accountable. They being the administration that does these, because it is just, you, you strap yourself. Then you get yourself into a bigger buyout and then you're financially strapped because you give a coach um, who hasn't done much more money. All right. Well, finally, well, we yeah, by the way, you, you got to say, you got the yeah. same agent, Jimmy Sexton. And, the, and my final thing on that, before you go, these athletic directors, unfortunately make too many decisions by reading Twitter. Wow. Social media continues to be the downfall of society. I think we knew that coming in. Paul, you know how I am on a, on a bold statement. I made the bold statement about UCLA, and I'm, I'm still riding high on that one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone in on that. But here's my bold statement as we send everyone off on their first NFL Sunday of the season. I'm telling you, I am telling you, watch out for Auburn. They've got Penn State this week, college game days, parking the bus for all, Penn State and Auburn. They look, Bo Nix, they look so different in this Brian Harson offense. First time in program history, they've scored over 60 points in the first two games of the season. I'm telling you, watch out for Auburn. Well, there, I am not going to laugh at it um, <laughs> because you, you can't argue with success. You, you can argue with the competition, but uh, they will be severely tested this weekend. And, and I think for a guy like Bo Nix, he's, he's never had confidence. He won his first game against Oregon, and after that it, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a roller coaster ride because Gus Malzahn you know, was, was, was not very expressive when it comes to creativity. Um, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing it. I'm, I'm also not agreeing with it. Because, look, I know it was Alabama State, and I know they were going to win. But here was what I posed to Jesse and Joey when I said this yesterday. Just watch out for Auburn because they look really good. What would a Gus Malzahn team have done against Alabama State? What would a Gus Malzahn coach team have done in this game yesterday? It would have been a sloppy game, uh, probably like the Alabama Mercer game. Right. And what do they do? They go in there, step on their throat, 62 nothing, make it zero doubt. Going into, by the way, the Penn State game. Malzahn, Malzahn coach team could have made this game sloppy going into a big game because his team was looking ahead. I, just, I don't know. There's something about Auburn that – Well, he, you know, he, it's a different mindset. Uh, he's got two very good coordinators, and Mike Bobo and, and Derek Mason, who came over from Vanderbilt. And, and Harson is one of the most serious-minded coaches I have ever met. I mean, the guy – 
he was he was doing a good job at Boise. This, this is not somebody who just you know got hired off the waiver wire. I mean, this is this is a coach that was going places. So that's the big game coming up in week three. As always, look, Paul and I Sunday mornings. When you download this, we appreciate you listening to it. Uh, we both have long Saturdays. Paul's traveling all over the South to get back home. I'm, I'm at Bristol from 1130 a.m. to about 240 a.m. So if we're a little slow with our thoughts on Sunday mornings, look, the coffee's kicking in. The Bloody Marys are getting made. We're going to get through this together, Paul. We've got, I don't know, 14 weeks left of this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I sometimes I, I've had people who will listen back and go, man, that, what were you thinking? And, and the, the answer is we weren't. <laughs> here's what you're going to get on sunday you're going to get complete exhaustion honesty which a lot of the times is hard to get out of most people so we appreciate you download we appreciate you list we'll be here each and every sunday morning uh and look give me one bold prediction before next sunday just give me a good one yeah i i think we're going to find out about alabama in gainesville uh okay. i think the first two weeks uh we've gotten false reads uh i'm, I'm not predicting anything yet but but I, I think i think alabama the curtain will be uh, brought either up or down on them in terms of th their greatness uh, you know could they get exposed or do they go down there and just pound florida and make a statement and, and leave no doubt i love it i love it can't wait to do this again with you next sunday remember it's a five day a week podcast it's the espn college football podcast for paul feinbaum i'm matt barry everyone have a great week and we'll talk to you again next sunday